Welcome to the Song Temple Podcast. I'm Francis. And I'm Jeff. And today we have Sean Fernandez in the Sonic Temple, and he has chosen a live version of Poke Saladani by Elvis Presley, which brought me to choose Thunderball, sung by Tom Jones. And I have the pleasure of choosing Slaughter's Up All Night. And I'm so excited about this. (laughs) This is being recorded on September 29th, 2022. All right, joining us in the Sonic Temple today is my good buddy, Sean Fernandez. Good buddy and fellow bandmate, I guess I can say that now. Sean and I have been playing together for a little bit off and on here. Sean's a a bass player extraordinaire with a a very vast array of uh, credits. You can Google him, but uh, (laughs) he's also just a really fun guy. And uh, somebody who, when we first met, I knew, like, I got to spend more time with this guy because he is willing to talk about enough's enough with me and no one else ever really (laughs) is. So it's good that I was able to trick you into coming here and talking about music and you picked one heck of a song to talk about. And this is going to be a fun episode. So strap in, everybody. But Sean, please tell us what song you picked and why. All right. Well, thanks so much for that wonderful introduction. I'll try to live up to it. I picked Polk Salad Annie. I was very specific about the version. It's Elvis's version of Tony Joe White's song. Mm-hmm. And it had to be at Madison Square Garden. And the reason why I picked it is because when you said we were doing this, that's the only song I could think of. <laughs> I, I wandered off the path and I'm like, well, I want to be cool. Um, So I threw like a replacement song at you, but Dan had already done the replacements. And I'm thinking, well, I'll do Teenage Fan Club because they're also, that's an old guy cool band. Yeah. And then uh, the Pixies and then whatever else I could think of. And then I'm like, well, Jeff likes hair metal. So I kind of got into some White Lion. But no, it just kept coming (laughs) right back to this Polk Salad Annie song. Because no matter how far I try to get away from it, it is in the center of my universe. And the reason why. Yeah, please explain. Yes. The reason why. Is when I was a kid, I'm horribly old, so there's an eight-track cassette involved in this story. My family wasn't terribly musical, so we all liked Elvis, and that's who you like. You just like. <laughs> like, your parents just like Elvis. And I loved Elvis, so I loved Jailhouse Rock, and I loved Hound Dog. I liked, I liked the big hits. Yeah. <laughs> They're all yeah, hits, yeah. but I liked the real rock and stuff. But we didn't have a ton of it at the house, but there was this eight-track live version of Elvis that just went into my stereo and played nonstop. And I didn't like that much of it because yeah. it didn't sound like the record, like Hound Dog on there is so much different. Now today, I love that version. It's so groovy and funky. And and it, then when it kicks in, when they, they give you the it. payoff, man. Then oh, it's so it. good. Then they do it. But the thing is, is that I played it so much that it was in Polk Salvani. Again, it was one of the, the like the upbeat songs. So I liked it yeah. immediately. And I'm a kid. I didn't, I didn't know it was a cover. And, Later in life, as I'm getting married, I'm kind of in an Elvis kick anyway. And I wanted, you know, that cheesy thing where they introduced the wedding party mm-hmm. and I wanted them to do Elvis's intro. And I'm going <laughs> through all these different versions of Elvis's intro. I forget what it's called. It's My wife is going to kill me because she, she knows. But it's the 2001 Space Odyssey yeah, yeah. thing, but it's really right. a classical piece of music. Yeah. Anyways. Was it like Ric Flair was coming in? Yeah, it's it's almost as cool as that, but <laughs> no, we did we did Elvis. So 
The reason why I picked this, I'm going to get back to Paul Saladani, is because Madison Square Garden is the only one where he goes from that big intro into That's All Right Mama yeah. instead of C.C. Ryder. Right. And right. I think that's way cooler. Yeah. The guitar part. Yeah. And then I started listening more and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the eight track from when I was a kid. And I knew it immediately from Hound mm. Dog. And then I'm looking and I'm making sure, and I found the eight track in an old box. I have it. Oh, that's amazing. And it'll pop up in some Facebook post, but <laughs> I have it. I've confirmed that that's it. What was really important about it is I play just like Jerry Chef. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm as good as him. Not, right, I'm not. Right. That's not a, a huge brag. What I'm saying is all of that went into me via osmosis, and I mm-hmm. ri- all my cool stuff is ripped off from him. There you go. I thought it was Donald <laughs> Duck Dunn from the Blues Brothers soundtrack. Which some of that is too. Sure, sure. That's also yeah, yeah. more ripoffs. But all my good ideas came from this getting embedded into my mind. Oh, that's fantastic. And the best bass line out of all of them is Polk Saladani. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This song is fire yeah. from start to finish yeah. i mean the band is just ridiculous yeah this is a the only elvis album that i really enjoy and love like i love this and i came to it sort of late i was on tour with legends of rodeo we had a day off in memphis so we went to graceland and did that whole thing and i came out of it and i was like that was really impressive you know and not being a fan or anything and we had this lunatic, uh, <laughs> I say that lovingly, on tour with us. His name is Henry. He's one, a very good friend, but he's an absolute madman. Turned me on to a whole bunch of good music. And he's like, you don't know about Ronnie Tut? You got to know about Ronnie Tut, man! And just like, just shoved this record down my throat. And we would listen to it all the time driving. And just, I mean, he'd be air drumming like a maniac. Because he is a maniac. I know, I just hit the mic stand again. <laughs> Francis hates it when I do that. But I mean, the fills on the, You try to air drum to this record for two minutes and you're going to need a nap. I mean, it's ridiculous. How, how it fits, <laughs> yeah. It's the Bobby the Bobby Brady fills. Because you just picture his head down there yeah. and do it. <laughs> but they fit. They all fit. I, I mean, he's yeah. like an in time Keith Moon. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a very, that's well put, a yeah. very w- good way to put it. Yeah, so I love this record. I had on vinyl, I had a really nice copy of it that got destroyed in the flood. So I do not currently have Bummer, it, yeah. but I've been listening to it all week and definitely I need to get it again. Well, there's a part in this song. Well, first, again, I'm not trying to be a bass nerd. If, if, you know, you hang out with me. I'm a drum nerd yeah, on so, this podcast all the time. So please, I'm all bass it up, so. man. Most of the music I listen to has nothing to do with the bass line. I, that's, mm. that's my time. The bass line stuff is my private time. Keep it to myself. <laughs> it's nobody's business but my own. But this one has a bit of it all. It has Elvis. Yeah. Again, if you hear other versions of this, Elvis gets a little too much into like this outro kind of this chant weird stuff he does this one he gets in and out and it's over mm-hmm. but it kicks you in the teeth yeah the end of this song <laughs> it yeah. sounds honestly it's got kind of an iron maiden like yeah. end of the last encore mm-hmm. hot for teacher it's ballistic. it's a moment of just like what the hell that is the yeah. most metal thing that's ever happened 
it I is just... it is so metal. Yeah. The fuzz bass yes. on oh. it is oh. amazing. And then Ronnie Tut is at least he claims the first American rock drummer to play double bass. So he's got his double bass drums back there and you got the fuzz bass and yeah, you got that ending that is just ridiculous, man. Yeah. So good. And then the, uh, the bass solo. I mean, I, I yeah. almost oh. forget about the bass solo. <laughs> because don't. I don't like bass solos because it's probably because I'm not You're really, not alone in I'm that. not really. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> but the thing is, I'm not good at them. Like if I try to solo, I stay too in the pocket. Like I, I can't play a melody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what Jerry does is exactly what I should do. And that's just go for it, man. Yeah. yeah. Because it's nothing like his plane. Right. Play it back, Jerry. just like all this like weird metal bends and then then he does that kind of pentatonic walk down at the end and then ronnie tut catches up with it and it does all those hits with him yeah and i've listened to more versions that is totally ronnie tut just feel there's nothing rehearsed about any of it right he right. always finds those hits but they're always in different places hmm. so they're listening to each other oh for wow. sure everything going on in this particular recording is so next level, man. Do you, do you know what Jerry Sheff, the bass player, will yeah. remind everyone? Yeah. You know what he's famous for, other than Elvis? I do. Oh, damn. Do you know? No. Okay, does the band start with a D? It does. Okay, so we know the bass line. He, he played bass on The Doors, L.A. Uh, Woman. L.A. Yeah. Woman. That, the whole record. But that bass line, as simple as it is, and that's the beauty of it, man. It's like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. it's like, so what? But everyone knows it and yeah. it's awesome. And this song starts off the exact same way. Yeah. Okay, Bob. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah he's just sort of pedaling. It's that. just him. Yeah, it, it is. It, yeah. There's not a count. There's no count in. Mm-hmm. In the, the band, do you, do you want to talk more about the band? Yeah, let's talk more about it. going to TCB. Uh, yeah. I mean, everybody knows the singer. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Wh- What's which his one? Name? Which there's several. No. Yeah, Elvis, you've seen those old videos. There's nothing on stage but him and a bunch of musicians all over the place. There's, yeah. It's not a show. I mean, right. the show is him. Yeah. And the music, mm-hmm. it's absolutely amazing. James Burton. Yeah. I mean, Yep. That's just goes without saying. It sure does. But there's two different backup singing bands. Yeah. One, one is the Sweet Inspirations uh-huh. that has Whitney Houston's mom in it. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And okay. Whitney Houston's mom slash, uh, what's her name? Dionne Warwick. Dionne Warwick. Oh, Dionne, okay. Dionne Warwick's yeah. aunt, I believe, is Whitney Houston's mom. But anyways, it, there's a we'll whole... we there's some a, family yeah, connection. Yeah. That's, no, that's it. It's going to be in Wikipedia now and it's official. And then J.D. Sumner... In the stamps, I know because J.D. Sumner is from Tampa. Okay. He's the guy who sings really low. Mm-hmm. And at the end of songs, he does that slide down like he's a bass guitar. Oh. And he ends it with that. I'm not even going to try. Okay. But he's from Pasco County, just north of Tampa. And then there's just all these collections of the so-and-so orchestra, the so-and-so yeah. horns, music director. There's like 90 musicians on stage. And it sounds like a garage band that's tied as hell with like accents from all these other ones. It's insane. Totally. Yeah. 
I mean, they do sound at times like the who, especially on this song. My favorite part about talking about the band and all the people is there's a track on the record called Elvis's introductions where he like introduces all the band members. Here's my favorite part of that. I have two favorite parts. Myrna. One is, yeah, he gets it. He gets, one, he gets one of the singer's names wrong. Sylvia. Myrna. And she corrects him. Yeah. In the moment. Yeah. <laughs> which is amazing. And then the second one is he's like, and on the drums, Mr. Ronnie Tut, and on the bass, Mr. Jerry Chef, and the man who gets me my water and my capes. On the drums is Ronnie Tut. On the fender bass, Jerry Chef. The guy that gives me my water and my scarves, his name is Charlie Hodge. On the piano is Glenn Harden. But he introduces that guy, and then he's like, and over here on the piano. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he scarves, knows. Scarves, not capes, scarves. It's, yeah. it's the man who gets me my water and my scarves. Capes would have been uh, James Brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, That's I, sweet. It was Charlie for a long time who did the scarves. Uh, you're right. It is Charlie. <laughs> it is Charlie. And I think he's also the one who says Elvis has left the building. Oh, is that right? I think so. I'm oh, pretty sure. All right. Well, he had, a, he had a solid gig then. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he knew all the band members' names except Myrna. And she was one of the sweet inspirations. She was one of the new members. It's not his fault. She was the new kid on the block. Yeah. I mean, to his credit, he introduced like 17 people during those introductions. So it's not bad. Yeah, there's you know? two He's only singing- writes so many on his hand, man. I, yeah. There's two singing groups and another woman, something Westmoreland. I mean, there's just component after component of collections of musicians yeah. throughout the whole thing. And it just, again, what it sounds like is a four-piece band just getting down. Yeah. And then these singers, the Sweet Inspirations, come in with those like hits and accents. Yeah. You know, they sang on... Uh, they sang on the Killers album. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Listen, I had to do some research on this. Yeah. <laughs> they sang with the Bee Gees... And they sang with Jimi Hendrix. They're on everything. They've done absolutely everything. This kind of blew my mind. His performance here at Madison Square Garden was the first time he ever performed in New York. How nuts is that? That's other, crazy. Other than like the television, right? Like right. The but like Ed an actual like, concert. His first concert ever in New York. Oh wow, that's insane. I guess the market was more the South. Yeah. The market was wherever the colonel yeah, said it was. Yeah, wherever the colonel says, know? that's where they go. I know yeah. he played in Tampa. He <laughs> played He played he at the Armory, where they Figure used to do up. wrestling when he was like just starting out. Like That was an early tour. Oh, wow. My dad was there. Yeah, Is that right? Yeah. Uh, that's pretty wow. cool. True story. But not New York, just Tampa. That was everything. The, the kind of the nucleus of the entertainment industry is in Tampa. Is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know he, he filmed a, a movie in... Gainesville, because that's where Tom Petty met him as mm. like an eight-year-old boy and decided he wanted to be a rock star. Wow. I yeah. know that. See, I'm genuinely interested. See, that's a good No, that's yeah. cool. No, that, 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 <laughs> no, that just breaks my heart because the, the two of the, those guys being gone. Now, now, it brought me down a little bit, but <laughs> uh, my, no, that, that's a apologies. cool story. No, that's a cool story. You can just picture the, the effect that Elvis would have on anyone. Yeah. Yeah, like I had never heard this recording before. Okay. I mean, I love Elvis and more of the studio recordings, but I never yeah. went too far in the live stuff. When I saw this, I was like, before I even hit play, because Jeff said that you were a bass player, I'm like, and I knew it's the TCB band. I'm like, 
All right. Get ready for some crazy bass and drums and I hit play. <laughs> <laughs> and right like right in the middle, I'm like, oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Oh man. He is not walking the bass. He is playing, he's just full on parkour on that fretboard, just everywhere. Yeah. And I'll tell you, they stay pretty true to the original. I mean, they're way faster. Yeah. Yeah. But the original, the horn part, the guitar part, even the bass part. Not, the, made not a, the drums. Uh, yeah, right. exactly. Well, and there's no distorted bass solo. And, right. And, no, uh, no, no fuzz bass. I mean, he really does these songs justice, man. Because you know what I want to say is he, he does better than the originals. In some cases, it's true. Not Proud Mary. <laughs> no, <laughs> that is so Mary. funny you say that. That is like, that should not be in on the recording. And definitely, no. it's a, the it's like, like a the second official half. song. Yeah. It, like after the, yeah, the, I don't like that. I love Never been to Spain. I yeah. think his version is phenomenal. Um, but this one, the backing vocals just really dress it up so nice. But Tony Joe White's version is, is amazing. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. And I, I sent it to you guys too mm-hmm. in digging. Found the Foo Fighters did a cover of it with tony joe white yeah on the letterman show that's worth checking out too that that was pretty amazing that was crazy i remember i just you know i don't watch a ton of late night tv happen to have it on and i'm like what the hell why yeah i still don't know why no because because they, they, were they just do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, Tony Joe White, what was he what was he promoting? And uh, I was just so, I, I like, my jaw dropped. I'm yeah. like, why is this happening? But anyways, I this one I loved as a kid because the lyrics. Yeah, so weird. Yeah, her mom's been working on a chain gang. I love that. Yeah. Polk Salad Annie. Like this type of song, you just feel chain gang totally belongs in there. Like, yeah. Like this song, of course it's going to have the word chain gang in it. Right. It just feels like it should. It's got like that and Louisiana Gate. swamp. Like my whole picturing of even with just the original version, Burt Reynolds and Gator or something like yeah. that. Like, like that's like the uh, visual aesthetic I have to this. Well, you know, he actually is from Louisiana, right? Uh-huh. Um, and you know, he was just listening to the radio and heard CCR and was like, and was like a- no, 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 boys. <laughs> no, you, you San Franciscans aren't going to pull this off. Um, I got gotcha. you. You don't know about the poke salad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is the correct pronunciation poke salad? Like you got to say it almost like Dusty Rhodes would. Like, yeah. Salad, po- just, poke salad. 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 From salad Tampa. Puts a Dusty Rhodes it. from Tampa, you mean? Yeah, that's right. The American Dream? <laughs> yeah. The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes? Wow, absolutely. First of all, I would like to thank the many, many fans throughout this country that wrote cards and letters to Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, while I was down. Yeah, no, poke salad. Yeah, it'd be, poke uh, salad. The lyric is S A L E E T. Yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it's just about some stuff you go get in the swamp and you can eat it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and I, of course, I read about it. It's apparently poisonous if you don't cook it right. Huh. So, I, can, Caref- you just, careful, boys and girls. <laughs> they think about all of the uh, the experiments that went wrong oh, yeah. <laughs> with that. But yeah, in Elvis uh, has versions where he copies that intro perfect and i don't like it i like his 
him just jumping into it, mm, singing like it, the get in, get out, real nice it. and quick. Oh, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you chose that song, my brain and my guts went in two different directions. Yeah. Brain wanted to go Colin Elvis because Dire Straits, Elvis, and the whole Mark Knopfler being friends with Tony Joe White. But then the gut just kept going. Yeah, but Tom Jones doing Thunderball, you know, like. <laughs> I just go with it. Like the that felt right for me. So I just went with my gut. Is this because of the Vegas thing? Um, there's actually a couple connections. Okay. All right. All like, right. I mean, Sorry. I didn't mean. Tom Jones did cover Poke Salad Any also. Yeah. Mm. And I was like, oh, I guess that's an in. And then like, yeah, the whole Vegas. That's like you think Vegas, you know, you got your Elvis yeah. and you got your, and Tom Jones was a regular on the Vegas scene for decades decades and you know him and elvis got friendly on the whole vegas scene and Mm -hmm. they would always hang out and stuff together tom jones and elvis being friends is that's god i just i never would have guessed that man that yeah no in vegas no i mean it seems like there'd be a rivalry Rivalry. there yeah Yeah. gosh those two together what i don't know i think when i think of elvis and vegas so i just think you don't think of that elvis no i just think of like a sad man who has no friends and whose life is like sad and so you need like the other guy who's doing the same thing as you to i get yeah you know know, like yeah i don't know i'm thinking top of his game in new york like yeah that era but when it's like you know when he's like a lion instead of you know kind of just going out to pasture in vegas right right but this is about tom jones It's, it's hard to get away from elvis yeah so thunderball from the James Bond movie, Thunderball, 1965, sung by Tom Jones. She always runs while others walk. Composed by John Barry, and this one, the lyrics are Don Black. So what I found interesting about looking into this song, doing the research afterwards, this from the songwriter's perspective, is that, okay, so John Barry... And Leslie Bracusi wrote the lyrics for Goldfinger, which was the hit mm-hmm. right before with Shirley Bassey. And so they go to write the songs for Thunderball, compose the whole score, and they have this song, Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, ready. Yeah. And originally recorded with, oh, let's get Shirley Bassey on it. Okay, that's not working out. Let's get Dionne Warwick to record it. And he's dark and like a shark. He looks for trouble. That's why the zeros double, Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He so they record that. They're all ready to go. And a few weeks before, like very short notice, producers of the movie come in and say, we need a song that has the word Thunderball in it. <laughs> and the movie comes out in, I don't know, two weeks or something. It's like very, very short notice. Yeah. yeah. So that you're on... A one hell of a time crunch. Sure. And your ego is blasted at the and same time. And you gotta time. figure out what the hell a thunderball is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you gotta be a pro about it and just get the job yeah. done. So I found that whole process very interesting. Sure. He gets a Don Black to help him out with the lyrics, which the lyrics are very, they don't make much sense. I mean, they're about James yeah. Bond. They're about James Bond, yeah. really. And then a thunder. And a thunderball, which is <laughs> code for like the mushroom cloud, like the atom bomb. Whatever. Right. 
So last minute, you got to write the whole song. You got to compose it, get everything ready, get the lyrics going. You have to time it because they time it so that he sings Thunderball as it's on the screen. Yeah. They've already shot this whole thing, the whole intro, yeah. you know, the typical James Bond intro. So like the titles come down with the words Thunderball. And so he has to sing Thunderball at that moment. Hit so you have to write note. the song according to that. And then you get who's on the charts right now. Tom Jones on the charts. All right, let's get Tom Jones to come in and sing this thing. He comes in and sings it, and one of my favorite things about this song is just his vocal performance on this. Mm. He knocks it out of the park. It's ridiculous. He knocked himself out. Exactly. That's, that's the story. Yeah, right? that's the story. Like yeah. he, he <laughs> this is only one take, only one pass through, and this is what you get. Yeah. And that last note that he holds out, the Thunderball, the story is, he held it and held it and held it till he had no breath and fainted or yeah. he was at least holding on to the rails and got dizzy and went down. <laughs> but I like, to, I like to think that he dropped and just yeah. felt cold. I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah. He is a pro. But. Yeah. I don't know that it's that impressive of a note. Like, I, I read well, the story like, first and then went and listened to it. I'm like, that's going to knock you out? I mean, we're going to talk about slaughter in a little bit. And there's some, there's some notes on that. that yeah, it could take a man, you know, a lesser man down. But I don't know. Maybe. Uh, he holds it out pretty Maybe long. Tom. All right. <laughs> there's there's a lot of power behind it though. Yeah, there is. I that mean, is true. I don't mean to throw shade at yeah, Tom but, Jones. Well, he, he, he well, doesn't need that. But here's the thing. No, he doesn't need that from us. <laughs> um, when you said Thunderball, I wasn't that familiar with the song, but I knew that I didn't really like Tom Jones. Right. And, and it's it's yeah. really because of you know uh, what's new, Pussycat, and it's not unusual. It's like all that stuff is just so silly and. If, I've seen old videos of him dancing, and I'm like, right. this is not... Where he shows up on Fresh Prince. Right. And like, this is not Elvis, this guy. No. And I've always, like, kind of felt like I'm in Elvis's camp, and mm. that guy, we don't we don't associate with him. <laughs> but this song, I mean, it has so much swagger, and his voice is undeniable. Yeah. It is magical. I mean, it doesn't... Again, it pisses me off almost more that he did the, like, What's New Pussycat? I mean, right. I loved it as a child because it's a song for children. Yeah. Well, that's... Uh, th- <laughs> so, <laughs> I've, never, I've never listened to Tom Jones in my life until you picked this song. And then I went and, you know, listened to, like... Like, I'm not a huge Tom Jones. I got, like, about a handful of well, songs that I like. here's the thing. Here's my question. How can anyone be a big Tom Jones fan? How, when when does what well, does, I definitely go see him live. If he came around again, I'll go. What does a Tom Jones fan look like? When do they listen to Tom Jones music? It's not music you sit around. It's not cocktail party music. It's not clean your house on a Sunday morning music. It's not mow your lawn. It's not driving your car music. When when does one ah, listen to Tom Carlton, Jones? Man. Well, I mean, he is the avatar for. Uh, Tom Jones fan. Carlton and a bunch of ladies swooning, I guess. Uh, and that's what it was. It was kind of the, the ladies swooning. It was yeah. like the women who t- were a, a little older than the Beatles fans. Yeah. And that and they had Tom Jones. No, I get it. But they also had Sinatra. And you can sit around your house and listen to a Sinatra record. Tom Jones records feel, like you said, 
silly. Yeah, they're kind of like, like novelty songs. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, but this, again, I don't mean to throw shade at Tom Jones. <laughs> he doesn't do that. <laughs> this song, though, and I was trying to, to break it apart. I'm not going to lie. I even like, I asked my wife. She's much smarter than me in, in, in the ways of music. And I'm like, what is this? Yours too, huh? Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, we you, have that in common. Same problem, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? And I was thinking tango, but it's so slow. And she said tango also, so mm-hmm. I, it, it's mm-hmm. definitely a tango. Okay. <laughs> but there's a version that has been redone with his vocal, and it's sped up, and the but the vocal register stays the same. It is perfect as a tango. It's so hmm. dramatic and deliberate. And it just, you could almost, you almost have to swing your hips like <laughs> as those hits are coming. It's like, it is a magical song, but the lyrics, it's just on and on about what a what badass, Jim, but a ruthless. What James Bond does. Yeah. Yeah. And it, when you read it, you're like, gosh, James Bond's kind of a dick. But I mean, yeah. But that's fine. No, that's his deal. Yeah. And I guess maybe he's now. He's got to do what he has to do to get the job I mean, done. He's quite narcissistic. I think we've all. Like, come to accept that, you know? Thunderball has a great scene where he's with one of his companions laying on the beach, and this dude sneaks up on him, and he shoots the guy with, with a, a harpoon. Spear. <laughs> yeah, and the guy just gets stuck to a tree. Yeah. It's like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he's behind you. Okay. So, I, I'm going to take back saying he was a dick, because that's awesome. Yeah, I mean. That's, that's you know what? I'm sorry. If you read the he lyrics. He does what he has to do to get the job done. If you take this these lyrics out of context, it's not a cool guy. Because one of the <laughs> lyrics, and what I was trying to look up is it says, it's something about he gives less because he needs more. It's just, it's like, it's one again, of the most hardcore yeah. lyrics ever. <laughs> yeah. So again, out of context, without the charming British accent and, you know, the being good at poker and mm. martinis, it's, it's not a cool guy, but. I, you can't. No, be, I, not, you I can't. do love how it builds up with like that 007 theme into where he's like strike and he goes. Yes. And then he just hits it. The Thunderball. Yeah. They, they wrap that through it better than any other song I've ever heard. This world and it so he strikes like Thunderball. really masterful and it's just i think you're on a time crunch mm-hmm. and you get it done i think that's what helped like get this song just back to what it just needed to be because you hear the miss the mr uh, kiss kiss bang bang it's fine but it's a little like wah, 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 wah. it's just it's a little like hokey yeah like i saw someone posted a video like with that over on top of the title screen and mm. you don't get the same feeling right at all sure i got really excited when i found out that it used to be called mr kiss kiss bang bang mm-hmm. kiss kiss bang bang is one of my favorite movies of all time okay i love yeah. it right. i love it so much yeah the whole kiss kiss bang bang is like that's when james bond came out in italy that's what they called him yeah that's funny you know who did cover this song this song yeah this song Mr. Bungle would cover it live in the early oh, 90s. Oh, that's kind of amazing. Yeah, see some videos of some young 1990 Mike Patton singing the song. That's funny.
so Sean, <laughs> <laughs> you pick Elvis and you pick the right record. You pick the live in Madison Square Garden. But as we've already kind of covered, like it's hard not to think about Vegas when you think of Elvis. And it's hard for my brain not to think about hair metal bands all the time. It's where my brain goes. So uh, what hair metal band was from Vegas? One might ask. The answer is Slaughter. Hmm. So that, yeah, that's the only way I'm tying it back to Elvis here is they're a Vegas act. Same as Tom Jones, same as Elvis. But I got really excited to talk about Up All Night. Uh, Up All Night could be like, the whole New York City thing, so Madison Square Garden. and I mean, you know, look, Elvis is an American icon, mm-hmm. right? And uh, this song is also, you know, part of that fabric, I think. Uh, <laughs> we got America, my country, Tisavia. That's man. right. That's exa- <laughs> it's an incredibly patriotic song. I don't know how many episodes we've done in here of the song Temple, but we have not yet touched on the hair metal genre really at all. Wow. And it's something Francis and I are both very passionate about. And I know you are as as well. So let's get down. Let's talk about some slaughter. Let's do it. So up all night. I mean, if you know one slaughter song, it's either this one or fly to the angels. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But this song came out April of 1990 hit number 27 on the charts, which shocked me. I thought it would have been higher because at least four, because this video was everywhere, everywhere. everywhere. And you know why the video was everywhere? You know who directed the video? I do. You got to go deep to find this because the gentleman has scrubbed his Wikipedia of it. <laughs> it's not on there. But go ahead, Francis. Michael Bay. Michael Bay directed this video, ladies and gentlemen. And when you watch it back now, knowing you that. You can tell. You can tell. It's You start getting dizzy. <laughs> yeah. But it's a masterpiece. Like, the video is so good. You can tell it's done by a pro. Yeah. Like, he knew what he was doing. How could he be ashamed of that? I mean, he's done some... I mean, listen, his movies would, are, would, are huge I would, successes. Like, I would hype this up and just be ashamed of, like, Armageddon and all the other right? stuff. I mean, done. come on, man. He, he did the Pearl Harbor movie. He did. I know. Yeah, the. I mean... The, <laughs> so I, I, I could talk about we could just talk about that but no I mean I, I don't understand being ashamed of that video that doesn't make any sense to me I don't know I don't know if he's ashamed but I know it's not on huh. his Wikipedia anywhere so which is also like really sort of par for the course with Slaughter like getting somebody like Michael Bay to do their video the thing if you dig into this band a little bit the thing you come to realize is like everything Bros. so pro yeah everything was so pro with this band Here's my favorite story of the band is how they got to be a band, right? Everybody knows Mark Slaughter and Dana Strum wearing the Vinnie Vincent mm-hmm. I mean, it, everybody this knows. This is right. talked about at Nauseam. You right? learned that in the school. Books, the you, books are every, <laughs> so many books written on this. But what they don't teach you is that when the Vinnie Vincent invasion broke up, Crystalis Records, their record label, had a $4 million deal on right. the table to Vinnie Vincent and we're like, well, never mind that crazy lunatic. We'll give it to you nice looking boys. Yeah. That's insane. And, by the, I know oh, the story. It's insane. <laughs> they so just They're out them. of band and they have the contract already in but their pocket. Yeah. And yep. for a $4 million contract. And they don't even have a band. So they're like, we need a drummer. 
but they they knew what Who's they were putting the their money hottest in. Hottest guy in America, and he plays drums. All right, let's get that guy. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> John Stamos? <laughs> sort of. I think he was busy with, with the Beach Boys. better hair, right? Exactly. Like John Stamos with better hair and, and deeper eyes. Right. But as far as Chrysalis Records, yeah. you see the work that Dana Strum put in because he was basically producing and engineering like those Vinnie Vincent. So much. Yeah. yeah they were yeah. like doing so much of like the actual technical work. They're like, these guys, like they're not messing around. They know what they're doing. Totally. Let's back them. I and see they, it. And they let Slaughter, I'm getting really serious here. They let them self-produce yeah. their debut record. Yeah. There is no other hair band out there that got to self-produce their debut record. None. Like they all got stuck with Tom Werman or, or Gene who, Simmons. Or Gene Simmons. <laughs> or whoever else. I mean, it's it's amazing. And they killed it. Like this record sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. And this song, especially, man. You got to geek out on bass stuff. I'm going to geek out on drum stuff all over this song. But the drum sound on this song, right? What makes it so incredible. So we all know about the gated drum sound of the 80s, right? The huge Phil Collins in the air tonight drum fill sound. But then you get into like the hairband stuff where they start doing that trick where they reverse the drum hit. So you get the poison, nothing but a good time. The yeah, yeah. like that whole trick. Mm-hmm. There's a, a bunch of bands that did that. You know, if you get to that breakdown, like poison on nothing right. but a good time, or the whatever, arena breakdown, the arena breakdown, like you do that. That's a great trick right that's when the rockets go yeah. off and stuff but <laughs> that's exactly what i'm thinking i've seen totally that i've right. seen that happen yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they do it on every hit of the chorus on this thing and it's amazing like it is so mm-hmm. well produced and over the top I love it, man. I thought of the exact same thing, but and I was thinking of Rocky Like a Hurricane, because yeah, their breakdown, totally. it's the same thing. Yep. And I, I was going to mention it, and I thought you'd be impressed that I noticed, but now, now I could have just <laughs> pretended to know I am that. definitely impressed. <laughs> no, you're, you're spot on with that. No, these man. guys are definitely like very smart with the writing. Like They took everything in consideration. I mean, you could tell that they're writing definitely for the MTV and the radio crowd, but they're also writing for the arena. Like, Oh, yeah. Because not only do you have one of the best pre-courses I've ever heard in my life. Dude, the arpeggiated guitar riff in oh. the pre-course is like my favorite part of the song. All the puzzle pieces just fit so nicely mm-hmm. in this song. And then you get to the actual chorus, and it's just perfect for Arena. Everyone sing it now. I mean, he says that at one point. Right. Yeah, I mean, the instructions <laughs> are there in the box. But I was really amazed just seeing the timeline of this band, how it went from January of 1989. That's when all four of them like actually got together. Okay. And then the album released January 1990. So one year. 
Yeah. You have a band, write all the songs, you record your album, it's released. No, they like demoed it four times. Mm. That's the other thing. They demoed this album like four times and played it. They did like the the Bon Jovi thing where they like played it for people. Right. And then collected the feedback. Yeah. And like, these are the hits and they just, so add that to your timeline as well. But still- one year. Yeah, I know. That's insane. One year. And then you have your first show in May opening up for Kiss on the Hot in the Shade tour. Oh, there you go. Like, let's not fool around and practice on these LA clubs. We've already done that years ago in these other bands. Some, some of, of them. them. Yeah. Some of them. Tim Kelly just flew in. From Philly, <laughs> which you can kind of tell by his hair. Like, he wasn't an LA guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Cinderella. Definitely. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. He's from the. the but your first show is opening for Kiss, and your single's already been out and doing well. They were so pro about it, right? And they hit it at the right time. I mean, sort of, right? Because they they were able to get in, like same with Firehouse. They were able to get in just at that tail end, right? But the amazing thing about sort of that period of hair bands is that slaughter like firehouse, both of them sold millions. Like this record sold five million copies. Yeah. Right. They were never a headlining act. They were always an opening act. I mean, I, I think you and I saw them headline at the right. Metal Factory right. in 2003 or four. Did they co-headline with Winger or were they the opener for Winger? Because they came to Tampa and there's a live version of the Angel song from the Sundome. Oh, is that right? Yeah, hmm. that's right. I, 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 I hate to bring Tampa into this, but it's a very, very important part of their story. <laughs> so i am very critical of hair metal as you know like i oh i I am too okay yeah it's funny like anything else i'll take people's opinions and but this one don't worry i'm not i'm not here to tear apart slaughter because i think it is a really good song i'm glad you picked this song yeah things that i love about the song i love the bass sound in the song Mm -hmm. it's a good bass sound You know, it's interesting, no matter what genre, there's dated sounds, but not, mm-hmm. and there are dated bass sounds, but a lot of it just stays consistent. Because people have been playing a Fender P-Bass, P-bass yeah. since 1955 or right. whatever, and that's it. Except for Daniel Strum playing the weird, whatever that thing is, man. The I flying found the v. name of it. It looks like a flying V, but it's a brand I've never heard of before. Yeah. So he must attract with a P bass though. Yeah, right? it is a really nice warm sound, but you can hear it. You know, it's not like Motley Crue where it just kind of gets washed in and yeah. it's hard to hear it. I'm not here to talk about Motley Crue. But uh <laughs> this song, so you mentioned the pre-chorus. That is the best part of the song. Yeah, for sure. It's almost kind of southern rock the way he does that line. They'll be shining down on you and mm-hmm. I. Totally. It's it's got some kind of like real rootsy vibes to it. Yeah. And then uh yeah, the chorus. I'm gonna tell you the part I don't like about the song. Yeah. And I feel because the guitar player died, right? He did. Yes. Oh man. So tragically. Got hit by an 18-wheeler. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that sucks. Because they're all the same guys. They never really changed around a whole lot. Uh, the two, Dana Strumman and Mark Slaughter, have been there the whole time. Bloss Elias, the drummer, 
best looking man in show business mm-hmm. comes and goes. Okay. So they've had different drummers at different. And they had to have Bob Rock at one point. They absolutely had Bobby Rock at, at one point. Because yeah. of Vinnie Vincent connection. Yeah. Okay. Ex- exactly right. So the guitar solo, it's just like, you know where I'm with White Lion. Like, oh, yeah. There's this, a, this ain't that. Yeah. They, I mean, this is not he's Vito, Vito Brada. Brada yeah. no. I like a shredder that comes in back into the song. But he shreds, and I'm going to tell you, the fact, the way they drop out of that solo and go back into the pre-chorus. Really? I love it. You like that? I, think, I love I it. think they needed to bleed some of that solo in and keep the energy up. No, what they do instead, the part that I like is that, again, that arpeggiated mm-hmm. uh, riff that's there. I think they boost the level of it so that it's higher that time around. Which solves the problem that you're describing, okay. but clearly not to your ears. No, so no, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, very dissatisfied. It's not, a, it's not a shredder solo at all. I no. was listening to it thinking, I might be able to play that. Yeah. Like, and that's weird, you know? There's one little miniature moment of shred. But it's very sparse, yeah. And it's not even that shreddy. It's more, yeah, it's more just melodic. Just yeah. Like, you know what there's I, a shred? But I dig that. But yeah. they, they were coming out of Vinnie Vincent. Yeah, right. You know, they're probably like, enough with the shred. I'll, we, want, <laughs> we want the Bon Jovi yeah. song moment. Yeah. In the arena. I'll That's tell you right. where there's a shred right after the first chorus. I'm pretty sure. And that's another part small. I yeah, wasn't crazy about. It, 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 just, yeah. it, just, it that stuff didn't fit as well. Yeah. But we can look at it real quick. <laughs> Francis, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Francis actually has the guitar tab book for this entire right. record. Night, that is see. insane. We're gonna post pictures. <laughs> all right, so let's see here. Up all night, up all night, sleep all day. Boom, we got here. Here's your little <laughs> quick little shreddy moment. Check, right check in the chart. Check in the chart. Yeah, yep. I believe this is in the key of E. 104 beats per minute. It's important. Yep. Okay, so the big shred is right after the first chorus. Yeah. Okay. The, I mean, I don't know if it's a big shred, but well, it's a bunch, there's a, a moment. A bunch of 30 second yeah, notes. Yeah, just a, like two bars. Okay. Yeah. Two bars. But, yeah, and again, it just kind of flies in and flies out. But right. And you know where I am on the... Everyone back then had a high voice, but Mark Slaughter's a little high for me. Mm. But he seems like such a good guy. He's a rock star. He's he, a rock he was star. going to be successful in anything he did. How pissed was he to end up the number two best looking guy in the band? That had to have been such a <laughs> shot. I see <laughs> your attraction to the band. And, oh, and, yeah. Well, I mean, if we were just going through good looking. Let's do it. Okay. If so, you were to put together the best looking hair metal super group, I mean, Sebastian Bach singing. Right. Right. That's a great we're going one. In the day. Yeah. In the day. Bloss Elias is hands down playing drums. I I like Nikki Six on bass. I think that's a good looking guy. I think his hair. Really, Nikki? Let me think of other bass. I, Eric Brittingham, Cinderella. I got like, the ponytail. I, I think Nikki Six is better uh, looking not guy. Ponytail, palm tree. Yeah, I mean yeah. He, he's the blonde Nikki Six. Okay. I, 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 yeah, I mean he's not a bad looking guy. I get it. Okay, so Mike Tramp isn't the singer. 
Mike Tramp is the singer for White, White Lion. Lion. But he's not the singer for the hottest band? Yeah, I give it to Sebastian. Okay, yeah. Mike Tramp came to my mind too. Yeah. <laughs> for guitar, can we say Ozzy era Jakey Lee? I mean, that's a good call. Yeah, but I might, I might mm-hmm. go Brent Muscat oh, from Faster, Faster Pussycat. That's a good looking dude. Oh, he, yeah. You know yeah. what? Gosh, man, you got it down. <laughs> I want to come up with another undeniable bass player. I mean... Rudy Bob, Sarza Bob, was a good looking guy. Bobby Dahl. I, no. And the, no. Oh, come on. It's just because he was good looking compared to like that band. <laughs> <laughs> this is a whole, I knew this was going to happen. I knew we were going to go down a road like this and that's okay. <laughs> you know what? Okay. So the solo, and I know Dana Strum has that connection to Ozzy. Yeah. Yeah. Finding the guitar players. The, the solo mm-hmm. Section of this song. Oh, we got to explain that to people who don't know what that means. Everyone knows that. I, well, what a waste of time. It's been written in many, many books. Now. It has been. Yeah, I mean. Dana Strum, the bass player for Slaughter, takes responsibility for finding not only Randy Rhodes, giving the connection to Ozzy, but then also finding Jakey uh, Lee. Lee and connecting him to Ozzy as well. That's right, what you're right, referring to. Right. Okay. Two plus, two plus two is four. We, we yeah, know. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. So it's, uh, it's rudimentary, but you know, <laughs> we got, we got young people listening to this. Stuff. That's true. They don't get the education in school like we used to. So, uh, <laughs> from metal edge. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tell you what I liked about the solo a lot. Yeah. And I can't believe I almost forgot to mention it. It's like an Aussie solo in the sense that, mm. Think of Shot in the Dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the solo section gets real, the chord changes get real eerie and mysterious, and that's what happens. out of this party song yes. into driving down the road on your way to the Aussie concert and yeah. you turn into that mm-hmm. monster lady. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic <laughs> reference. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I did like that a lot. I like that they had that whole where are we going with this? And then you know what's funny? I'm gonna give the song even more credit. The transition, as much as I thought it should bleed into the pre-chorus, they transition that kind of mysterious sound and they don't hit it all at once. They kind of do some chord changes that transition perfectly. The musical choices were perfect. I agree. And it ends with a single China hit. So yes, Slaughter's a, a Las Vegas band is my point. Right. No, they and, relocated uh, there, right? Like very soon. Yeah. I, yeah. I, well, they made I, it their home base. I think like... Mark Slaughter's from there. Oh, okay. Well, I think we ran the gamut on this one, guys. We got a lot Time of Time to go work. hit a, the Taco Bell in Miami, yeah. see if Slaughter's playing. Dude, how crazy was that video? <laughs> 
In their continuing quest to be true to their fans, this band on the run recently held a free concert in the parking lot of a Miami, Florida Taco Bell. How'd they pick that location? Well, they were in town, it's their favorite restaurant, and Taco Bell agreed to donate money to a local drug rehab center. Fans were notably impressed by the band's generosity. Google it, everybody. <laughs> Slaughter played a show at a Taco Bell in Miami in like 1991. Yeah. And for some reason, we weren't there. I don't know how that happened. Like, I'm mad at myself. Uh, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. It's on the YouTube. It's worth checking out for sure. I didn't really care for Slaughter that much before, but now they're really, they're excellent. They did an excellent set. Oh, man. Sean Fernandez. Thank you for coming in the Sonic Temple with us and for bringing Polk Solid Annie and uh, reigniting my love for that record. It's been really fun to talk about that and, mm-hmm. and all this other. This was great. I just want to do hair metal songs now. Well, I mean, yeah. can we just listen. pretend we're recording and just keep going? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> we'll keep it going. We'll keep it going all the way out to the parking lot here. Sweet. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Playing Taco Bell parking lots. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, playing, keeping playing ourselves in, living, in a garage. Playing in living rooms, playing in Taco Bell parking lots. I challenge Skid Row or Motley Crue to go play a Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it done yet. Elvis has left the building. Thank you and good night. Thank you, Sean. Remember to send us your nominations for members in the Best Looking Hairband Supergroup. Start following us on Instagram at the Sonic Temple Podcast. Take a quick moment to go rate and subscribe. We will be back in two weeks where we kick off the season of Rob. Until then, be safe, be cool, and come back around and join us. Thank you to Legends of Rodeo for the intro and outro music. Music.